Morning, everyone. How lovely to be with you this morning on the first Sunday in Advent. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to you. Whether you're listening to this on Facebook Live or on our YouTube channel, through our podcasts on, uh, on Spotify or, or, um, or Apple Podcasts, welcome. We're connected together by God's Holy Spirit, and we share in the service together this morning as we listen to God's Word coming to worship Him. Please take a few moments to tell us where you're watching from. Let us know that you're there. Interact with us. Engage with us. We try to answer the messages uh, immediately. If you can hit one of the, li- the uh, reaction buttons, like or whatever, as we go along in the sermon, you can hit those as many times as you want, and, uh, and it's helpful to us if you do. So make use of those opportunities to engage with us in uh, the sermon this morning. Today, as I said, is the first Sunday in Advent, and you can see our beautiful Advent banner up there with the candle of peace that is lit, and uh, if you're thinking to yourself, you're pretty sure that the first Sunday in Advent was uh, hope, you would be correct normally, but this year, because of COVID, they've changed it around. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Not because of COVID. I've actually uh, changed the first two candles, hope and peace, Around we're doing hope next week and we're doing peace this week. Advent is about peace. We long for peace. On a global scale, we live in a world of chaos and uncertainty, fear and panic, worry, especially this year through the pandemic. There is also violence, hatred, discrimination that often dominate the news. In many places, the streets of the world are dangerous and leaders and some politicians have even shown by unfortunate example that civil dialogue gives way to abusive rhetoric. In the midst of worry, anxiety, uncertainty, and fear, we long and pray for peace. On a more personal level, the state of our mind often mirrors the state of the world. We juggle hyperactive schedules, fragmented families, and sensitive pressures. We worry about our children. We agonize over care for our parents, and no job seems secure. In the center of all of this, we struggle to know God's will, and we struggle even more to submit to His activity in our lives. We want what we want, forgetting that what God wants really brings true peace. Into all of this speaks the word of the Lord, and Scripture tells us that the peace of our world starts with peace in our heart. We are reminded in Advent that there is the peace of God which passes all understanding, the presence of God that came into this world specifically to bring peace. At the core of us, of each of us, if we listen, there is a still small voice which can calm our fears, quiet our lives, and dispel our desperation. At the heart of each of us, if we seek it, there is a spirit that rests in the grace of God. The spirit of God is the only way for true peace and therefore is the hope of the world. Let us pray. In Scripture we are told at the coming of the Lord, the wolf shall lie with the lamb, and the calf and the lion shall be together. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the one whose birth we celebrate will be called the Prince of Peace. Dear God, we pray that your peace may be made known in all places where there is turmoil, hatred, violence, war, crime, discrimination, and hurt. 
We ask that those who have the power to do so will bring peace instead of pain and connection instead of division. We pray that your peace may begin with us and in us and through us, dispelling uncertainty and fear and connecting us to you. May your peace rule over all the world and in our hearts today we pray. Amen. A special thanks to uh, the ladies who have done the decorating of the church for us and uh, put up the Christmas tree and nativity scenes. Uh, that's really great. As we have lit the candle of peace, let me say to you, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. If you're watching with somebody, take a moment and pass God's peace onto them. Let us pray. Lord God, we adore you as the God of peace, the God who seeks to bring into our lives that calmness and that dispels the sense of uncertainty and, and difficulty that we face. We know, Lord, that peace comes when we worship you with heart, soul, body, mind, and strength. That peace comes when we, when we seek to do your will in our lives above our own. We know that peace comes, Lord, when we trust you and when we obey without thought to ourselves and without question for our own desires, but instead seek your glory and to build your kingdom. It is then, Lord God, that we are truly at peace. And we pray today, Lord, that this may be something which is made known to each of us, that the Prince of Peace, the one who came into the world as we celebrate on Christmas Day, that he will bring to each of us that sense of certainty and security and the knowledge that our lives can be resting in your hands and be at peace. We pray for forgiveness, Lord, for those moments where, where it has been our will that has gone ahead, where it has been our desires that have been put above yours. Forgive us, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us clean that presents us as holy and blameless before your throne. And we rejoice in that forgiveness. May you be praised throughout the service. May what we hear, Lord, speak specifically into our hearts and lives. May the message we hear be challenging and may it lead us to a closer walk with you and a greater sense of peace in our lives. We pray these things in and through the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us when we pray to say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Friends, in terms of notices, just one important announcement to make, that please read through the emails that we sent you this week and the news and notes. There is some very important information there about when we as a church are going to gather back together. And uh, we're looking at the 13th of December, so that's not next Sunday, but the next, the 13th of December, when we will gather together here as a congregation and con begin to 
um, to do our worship services in person once again, now that some of the restrictions have lifted. So please put that in your diary, 13th of December. Watch your emails and your notices for um, more information about that. We're going to be looking at a series called, a new, a new Advent series called A Christmas Together, specifically because we'll be coming together. And today we're looking at A Christmas Together with Mary. I'll say a little bit more about that when I start the sermon. But I want to read uh, from Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 56. And it's all about uh, the birth of Jesus being foretold to Mary, Mary and Elizabeth, and Mary's Magnificat. Luke 1, 26 to 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God, Mary. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord, the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. <coughs> Excuse me. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to all who fear Him, from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Part of our worship every Sunday is to uh, give thanks to God for the gifts that we can bring to Him, dedicate them to Him, offer them as part of our worship uh, to God's work here through the church. There are many who have given electronically, many who have brought uh, their gifts into the office. Either of those methods is fine, and if you'd like to give electronically, the details are below this in the comment section and also available on our website. Let us bring these gifts to God. Lord, we thank you for these gifts of money. We offer them to you as a token of our love and pray that you would receive them with the far greater gift of ourselves, that these gifts would represent our lives, everything we have and all that we are. It's to be used by you for your glory, for your will to be done in our lives. Take these gifts, we pray, and bless them, and use them to be a blessing in the work of this church. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. As I mentioned, today is the beginning of Advent. And if any of you have had an Advent calendar or have watched a child with an Advent calendar, you'll know that Advent is all about that sense of anticipation. They cannot wait to tear open that little perforated door and scoff down the next chucky in the block. And then once that one's gone, no sooner is that one gone, and they can't wait for the next day as they anticipate with great joy and itchy fingers and watering mouth the next wonderful chocolate. For us as adults, it's the same emotions but a different motivation. Well, for some of us, it's a different motivation. I'm sure some are still motivated highly by chocolate advent calendars. But on a serious note, it is about a different motivation for us as Christians because our joy comes not in anticipating chocolate, but in anticipating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who brings life and peace and purpose and forgiveness and connection with God. We anticipate the one who comes to banish insecurity and uncertainty, the one who demonstrates grace and love and goodness, the one who shows us how to live and gives us a life that is about something more than just ourselves, something bigger than what our minds could ever imagine. The glory of God that we're invited to be part of, to partner with God in as the, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords says to us, be with me and help me spread the good news in this world. Help me tell others of the love of God through Jesus Christ. That is something to be excited about. Something to wake up each day with a sense of joy as we, as we look forward to, to celebrating on Christmas morning. But here at Bundaberg Uniting Church, we have even more things to anticipate and be excited about. We haven't met inside the church for, for eight months now as uh, the coronavirus restrictions have been in place. But like I said, on the 13th of December, we're going to be back worshiping together, 
for the morning services, and that is something to anticipate, that is something to look forward to, something to be excited about. Through all of these months, as the church council has met and looked at the situation, there has been the feeling that whatever happens, we need to be in the church for Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is a time of togetherness. It's a time of sharing and celebrating and being with family and being with loved ones. And of course, worshiping together and celebrating the arrival of our Savior, the one who we have been anticipating throughout the entire five weeks of Advent. It is a time of togetherness. This Advent season, in a year like no other, we're going to be looking at a whole series called A Christmas Together. And it's a series that will carry all the anticipation and excitement of being reunited and worshiping together in the church after those eight months of being away from the place. But it's also a series in which we will look at what it means to be together for Christmas with some of the people who are well known in the Christmas story. This is a story that I'm sure most of us can recite by heart. Every nativity scene reminds us of it. We know it so well. But have you ever thought of what being together with people from the Christmas story can actually teach us? This Christmas, Advent will be all about being together. Being together with one another, being together with people who have much to teach us about living life the way Jesus intended it to be lived. And the first person that we're going to be together with is Mary. A Christmas together with Mary. Now, Mary is one of the most well-known characters of the Christmas story. We've heard the story of Mary told to us from the earliest days of Sunday school. And if we didn't go to Sunday school, if you didn't go to Sunday school, you would have seen pictures. You would have seen nativity scenes in shopping centers and in decorations and on Christmas cards every single year. Some of you watching may even remember when you were children. And ladies, when you may have been lucky enough to have won the coveted prize of the, the role of Mary in the, in the Sunday school Christmas play. I even remember as a kid that one year we were short on girls in our Sunday school class. There were only three of them. One of them wanted to be a shepherd and insisted that girls could be shepherds. Fair enough. The other, who had blonde hair and blue eyes, she was determined to be an angel. Also understandable. And the other girl was going away on holiday. So that year, the boys drew short straws, or drew straws, and the short straw uh, would be the loser who got to play Mary. I still remember the kid who lost. Dressed in his mother's bathrobe with a dish towel on his head, which was the standard wardrobe for Sunday school nativity plays in my day, really. And, uh, of course, uh, he played his part with begrudgingly, but after, the whole, after that um, Sunday school play, for the whole of the next year, uh, we, would, um, we called him Mary and killed ourselves laughing every time because that's what good Christian children uh, do. That's the kindness we showed. But as a character in Scripture, Mary is well known, even though not a lot is known about her. Because in the whole of the New Testament, she doesn't actually get mentioned all that often. She's at the wedding in Cana for Jesus' first miracle. She's at the crucifixion. We briefly hear from her when Jesus gets lost as a child or when they thought he was lost. But as for the rest, apart from what we read today, there is not much mentioned. 
Mary doesn't accompany Jesus through his ministry years. She doesn't go on the journeys with the disciples. And so consequently, the rest of what we know is largely based on stories that we've heard or customs that we understand from the time or, or even legends that have kind of filled in the gaps. But what we do know is that there are some amazing insights and lessons that we see in the 30 verses that I read today. To spend Christmas with Mary is to start off feeling her fear and uncertainty and nervousness, her insecurity, as the angel tells her that she's going to be having a baby outside of marriage. You have to understand that she was betrothed to Joseph. And this is a little bit more than what we understand an engagement to be. This is an arranged marriage. Betrothed is as good as being married, only you're not married yet because the woman is still too young. So really, Mary is pretty much a teenager at this point, And she's getting this mind-blowing news from the angel. Firstly, an angel. And then with the kind of news that he's bringing. And suddenly, all that had been planned for her, all that had been laid out in her life, all, the, all the, the hopes and dreams and things that she thought would be, change in an instant. No longer are any of the plans that she had for her life even relevant. No longer was there going to be the, the standard marriage to one of the, the workers in the village and have babies and, and, and live a normal life. All of that changes. And while there was obviously worry and fear, I mean, that's why she says to the angel, how's this going to happen? How's this going to work? But despite the worry, despite the uncertainty, what we see in Mary as we spend time together with her is that there is a submission to the activity of God in her life. She submits to the activity of God in her life. <coughs> Excuse me. Mary is just this very ordinary person, this young woman who submits to God's activity. And through that submission, there comes to her a sense of peace and a sense of trust and a sense of knowing that God will take care of all things, even if for the moment she has no idea how they're going to work themselves out. What we see in her submission to God is a sense of, of purpose that makes her life about more than just herself. It becomes a life that glorifies God more than, more than she could ever imagine that it would have that honors God more than she could ever have imagined. Even though in that particular moment, there is very little understanding and clarity exactly what God's activity in her life is going to be. There is the submission to the activity of God in her life. Think about it for a second. How incredible it is that she submits in this way. The angel comes to her and gives her instructions. And, and let's be honest, the instructions that the angel gives to Mary are not exactly the most comprehensive instructions anyone has ever received. I'm sure that, like me, you've bought something that comes from China or maybe if you've shopped at Ikea, something that comes from Sweden or some other place where English isn't the first language. 
and you open the box realizing that the little sign on the outside that says some assembly required actually means you pretty much have to build the thing from scratch. And then you take out the instructions expectantly, that, uh, expectantly hopeful that they will tell you everything you need to know, only to find that they've actually been written in Chinese and then copied and pasted into Google Translate and, uh, and they make about as much sense as a concrete life jacket. And you wish with all your heart that those instructions were just a little bit better, a little bit clearer, that maybe they could have filled in a few more steps along the way. Now you imagine Mary, when the instructions weren't for a piece of furniture, but for her life. She must have wondered, this Holy Spirit that's going to place a child in me, exactly when is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? What do I tell Joseph? What do I tell my parents? When this baby is born, what do I do with it? This is supposed to be the Son of God. How do I parent the Son of God? So much must have been going through her mind. But she puts all of that aside for the moment. Puts it all to the side. And submits to the activity of God in her life. She doesn't seek every answer. She doesn't look to know every detail. She submits to the activity of God, and in that submission and through that submission, God changes the course of all humanity. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Through her submission to the activity of God, the kingdom of God comes on earth. Salvation is brought to all people. Grace is given without even being asked. And personal relationships with God are made possible. All because one person said, God, whatever you want from this life, whatever you want, it is yours. This life is for you. We live in an age where the idea of submission in any form is viewed very negatively. It's seen as if you can't stand up for yourself or as if you are weak and lack strength. It's seen as rolling over and giving up or giving in. But to spend time together with Mary is to see that the submission to the activity of God in our lives is anything but the understanding of today. That submission takes strength. It takes courage. It takes bravery you think of this, this young teenager saying those words, for me it is the picture of courage, the picture of strength. And only in doing that kind of submission are we actually able to accomplish the amazing things that God has planned for our lives. Only in submitting to the activity of God in our lives are we actually able to be part of the kingdom building that He has in store for us. Matthew 16, 25, uh, Jesus says, Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Whoever submits to me, whoever submits to my activity in their life, whoever, whoever gives themselves wholeheartedly to my, to my purposes, to my being, they will find their life. Try to make it through on your own, letting your will be the will that's, that governs your life. Whoever wants to find their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me 
will find it. If Mary had refused the angel, there would have been in store for her a very bland and ordinary existence. But because she submits to the activity of God, she is called blessed among all women. All generations will call her blessed, for the mighty one has done great things through her. This is one of the greatest challenges to us as Christians, because it runs contrary to what is often popular thinking in Christianity. Over many years now, Christianity has softened this idea of submission. We still say the right words, but the meaning is slightly different to what God intended. You see, we tend to think that, that giving your life to Jesus will lead to a life where, where God is really at our beck and call, where God wants nothing more than to make our lives smooth and easy and exactly the way we want it to be. We tend to think that God is there to make us happy. So naturally, we get upset when things don't work out the way we've planned. We get upset when, when God doesn't do what we think God should be doing. We wonder, where is God in all of this? Why isn't God doing essentially our will? Why isn't He acting the way we think He should be acting? Why isn't He doing the things we think He should be doing? Which is almost always bent towards our own advantage. But if we go back to the Bible, there's no precedent for that understanding in Scripture. None of the most faithful followers of Christ ever lived lives that were focused on their comfort and their happiness and their will being done. We don't see the disciples praying, Lord, this is what I really want. Can you please bless me in this? Can you please do this for me? Can you please make this happen in my life? I don't feel like going to, to Galilee today. I'd, I'd rather stay here. Can you give us the opportunity to do that? We don't see Mary saying, but Lord, what about my plans? What about helping me have, have all the things that I think I should have in life? All the money I want, all the possessions that I'm, that I'm hoping to have. What about my will? What about my feelings? We don't ever see that in Scripture. In every case of faithfulness, we see that first and foremost, there is a submission to the work and the activity of God in that person's life. When we give our lives to Christ, when we, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we say, Lord, this life is for you, it is supposed to be an act of submission where truly what we are saying is, your will be done. May it be as you have said in our lives. And you may well ask the question, well, why would we do that? If God isn't there to help me have the best life that I think I should have, then what's the point? In fact, what you're describing, Stuart, sounds very tough in comparison to the life I'm living now. Why would I submit to the activity of God in my life? I would rather have God submit to the activity of me in my life. I would rather have God jump on board with my plans. But here's the thing. Great lives... Great lives of the faithful servants of Jesus who have made a real difference in this world, both ancient and modern. Those great lives that, that truly build the kingdom, lives that are fulfilled, lives that lived at, uh, are lived at peace, lives that do not live with uncertainty or doubt or dissatisfaction, 
lives that do not worry, lives that are not anxious, lives that are lived with this greatest sense of satisfaction and accomplishment are all lives that begin with submission to the activity of God. They are all lives that start with saying, my will isn't important. Your will be done. It shouldn't be foreign to us. We pray it every time that we, say, we pray the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at the joy, the sense of happiness, the peace that comes through the song that Mary sings. We read that Mary's Magnificat, it's called. My soul glorifies the Lord. You can almost, you can almost hear the melody as she sings the word, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has brought down the wicked and lifted up the humble. The mighty one has done great things. Holy is his name. That is a picture of a life at peace. That is a picture of a life that is filled with joy, regardless of what difficulties they face. It's so interesting. We, we've spent six weeks looking in Philippians, looking at the joy that he calls us to regardless of what he faces. And you look at Paul's life. First and foremost is the submitting to the activity of God. Look at the joy. Look at the sense of happiness. Look at the peace that comes from Mary. It's so interesting in the work that God does. We're told in the, in the song, the powerful and the rich will exchange places with the powerless and the poor. The rulers are brought down and the humble are raised up. And all things that the world says are important, God turns on the head and does the complete opposite. Those who submit to God's activity in their lives are the ones who find their sense of self, the ones, uh, the ones who lose the sense of uncertainty, the ones who, who live with a sense of peace that they themselves cannot create and cannot lose because they become about something more than just themselves. They become about something more than just their desires or their wants or the life that they think they should have. They become about God's purposes. They become about being part of something bigger than their imagination. They become partners with God and sharers in His glory. In short, they have the life that God intended from the very beginning. And they live life the way God wants it to be lived. A life that is filled with peace a life that is satisfied, a life that is fulfilled, a life that is certain, regardless of what they go through. So how do we begin to do this? How do we begin to have this in our life? It, be, it really comes down to two things, trusting and doing. Trusting and doing. When Mary said these words, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. There was complete trust that submitting to God's activity in her life will be the best thing for her. Elizabeth even reinforces this when she says to Mary, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed is she who believes, who trusts that what God says will actually happen. To submit to God's activity in our life is, 
is to know that as we give our life to Christ, we place complete trust in Him. And we believe that He knows best, that His plan will lead to the most fulfilling life we could ever live. That His direction and His activity in our life will bring glory to God and strength to His kingdom and fulfillment of His purposes. It is trusting in the activity of God in our life to such an extent that we carry it out without hesitation and without thought to self. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. It is knowing that God is always working despite everything. This pandemic has shown us uh, this truth in spades this year. We've seen people doing God's work even in the midst of the most terrible circumstances. We have seen people who have been kingdom builders as they've fought the pandemic, as they've helped the elderly, as they've, they've done so many different things. God is at work in all of these times. And to trust in this is to know that our submission to His will in our lives means that we become part of that work, part of that activity, part of making history and bringing His kingdom into this world. How? I mean, it was easy for Mary. The angel visited her. No angels have ever visited me. If I'm willing to submit to God's activity, I, but I don't know what it is. How can I know what it is? And this is where it comes to doing or action, if you will. When Mary heard these things, she goes to Elizabeth and she stays with Elizabeth for three months. Now, Elizabeth is all already six months pregnant, so it's probably very safe to assume that Mary stayed with her until she had the baby, probably caring for her, looking after her. And then she heads home and devotes herself to continue doing what God called her to do. If we look at the disciples, and every faithful follower who, uh, of Christ who has submitted to God's will in their lives, they set about doing His will. Not massive big things that are, we think are going to win over thousands for Jesus. They begin in the little things, in small ways, in showing love in, in tiny examples, loving Christ by loving others, treating them as if they were Jesus, tending to their needs and sharing the love of Christ. Is it cheap? Is it easy? Is it comfortable? Is it convenient? No, usually not. Is it satisfying, rewarding, uplifting, kingdom building, and peace bringing? Absolutely. It is the will of God in our lives. And when we start doing it on a little scale, it's amazing where God takes that activity. I am a big fan of Bon Jovi. I love their music. I've always loved their music. I've been to two Bon Jovi concerts and have loved every minute of both of them. But one of the things that I love the most about John Bon Jovi has absolutely nothing to do with his music and everything to do with what he does for the poor, what he does for the hungry, the homeless, and the marginalized. 
You see, John and his wife, Dorothea, they were childhood sweethearts, got married young. They've been happily married for 40 years, contrary to what happens to many celebrities. Uh, they have a, a beautiful family, four kids, and they, they are still deeply in love. But they don't consider his contribution in music to be his most important contribution to the world. In fact, he called some of the tours tedious and referred to the fancy hotels as gilded cages. One night while in one of these gilded cages, he, he looked out of the window and he saw a homeless man sleeping on a grate on the cold floor outside. And there and then he decided he would be doing something about this. So he got back home and started something called the Soul Foundation. Now, the Soul Foundation has been all about building low-cost homes for people who need them. They have built thousands and thousands of these low-cost units for homeless people and have put roofs over their heads, put them into homes of their own. He then started what's called the Soul Kitchen. And this is a restaurant that serves paying and non-paying customers. And if you can afford a meal, you pay for it. And if you can, they ask you to pay a little bit more, a little bit extra for someone else. And if you can't afford a meal, well, then you pay what you can. Or if you can't pay anything, you, you volunteer to do a job, whether that be in the gardens or waiting tables or washing dishes or, or sweeping the floor or whatever. They offer you the opportunity to, to work for that meal. The idea being the, uh, sort of a sense of dignity in, in the work that you do. And for years, Bon Jovi, this mega millionaire songwriter, this incredible performer who, who people pay hundreds of dollars to go and see, would be in the back kitchen of that restaurant, out of sight of the paparazzi and people wanting to do celebrity spottings. And there he would be washing the dishes, making sure that hungry people were being fed. After a while, he realized that he was actually taking away an opportunity for somebody else to work. So he turned his attention to other needs and, and started operating food banks. When they asked him why he did this, why he does this, he said this. He said, I write songs and I happen to be particularly good at performing them. But that is not who I am. That is just what I do. This is who I am. So when COVID hit, and it hit New York where they lived particularly hard, they couldn't have volunteers in the soul kitchen anymore. They couldn't have people carrying out these jobs, but, but people still needed to be fed. People were still, uh, still hungry. So John and Dorothea wondered, what could they do? And so soul kitchen started doing takeaways. And once again, John got out his apron and started washing dishes and washing dishes, and washing dishes, and washing dishes. And he even wrote a song about it. And the song's called, When You Can't Do What You Do, Then Do What You Can. We put a link to it in the, in the Facebook feed uh, this morning. He spent months washing dishes, and then when a new food bank was needed in another part of, uh, of the state, he spent four months doing the backbreaking work of literally carrying and packing and loading boxes into trucks and unloading them on the other side. His wife joked in the interview that she now knows how to use a forklift and John knows how to use a trolley jack because when you can't do what you do, 
you do what you can. Now, I don't know what religious affiliation he is, if any, but helping the poor and housing the homeless, feeding the hungry, you'd be hard-pressed to tell me that that isn't the will of God in his life. Is it easy? Is it comfortable? Is it convenient? Does he have to do it? No. But it serves as an example for us who actually know what God's will is, who know what Jesus commands us in Scripture, to be people who submit to the activity of God in our lives, people who trust and people who do. And if you're unsure what that is or where to start or how to make a difference or, or what God's will might be, then take a leaf out of Bon Jovi's playbook and when you can't do what you do, do what you can. Start small. Start anywhere. There are people you know. There are people around who are all in need. You have something. You have gifts. You have talents. You have abilities. Begin small. And you'd be amazed at how God leads and guides when there is complete trust and when there is a willingness and a, and, and a desire to submit to Him, to submit to His activity in our lives. You'll be amazed at the peace, at the joy, at the strength, at the sense of, of certainty that banishes uncertainty. When we're able to to submit to God's activity within us. A Christmas together with Mary means finding that security and that certainty and that peace in submitting to God's activity in our lives. It means trusting His will to the point of, of doing what's needed, whether it is easy or convenient, that doesn't matter. It comes down to doing, to trusting, to submitting. This Advent, may that be where we start. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you that there isn't a life on this planet that you don't have a plan for. That there isn't a person who, who is listening to this uh, sermon or podcast or whatever they're watching it on, who you haven't got desires on for their lives to be to be beautiful and 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 kingdom building for their lives to be lived in 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 service of your will you have that for each of us you desire for each one of us to know with certainty the joy of of living for you and serving you and we pray lord god that you would help us to overcome what the world says is a is a dirty thing, a bad thing, submitting. You should never do it, we're told. But Lord, we hear your word. We see Mary today. We spend time together with her. And we realize that the only way to have the life you want us to have is to submit to your activity. Help us to do that, we pray. Help us to trust that, that you are at work, that you will be at work, and open our eyes to the things we can do. And when we feel like we can't do anything, show us what we can do, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.
Friends, may God bless you as <clears throat> we continue to journey together in Advent. I'm looking very forward to the 13th of December. Mark that date in your diaries and your calendars and watch the emails and uh, information leaflets for, uh, for more news about the 13th of December. May you be blessed as I say the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and those whom we love this day and forevermore. Amen.